Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. This show is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Between the NFL, college ball, and the Major League Baseball playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into real moneymakers. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly does have a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code 3YARDS. That's the word 3YARDS to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. That's promo code three yards for your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC card, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another, another victorious edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman will be here with us next week. Simon, I don't know about you, but watching Tuatunga Bailoa complete those two passes, there is no way that man wasn't using Manscaped because he looks smooth on that waggle bootleg. There's no way if if you're not if you're not well groomed, you can't get out on the waggle bootleg that quickly. Right? He couldn't have moved his legs any quicker unless right. he'd been using a lawnmower 3.0, possibly with the code 5RSN because there's no way that he could slick his way out of the pocket. Um I mean, given that all the uh, given all the big plays he made at Alabama, his cojones are pretty large anyway. So they yes. need to be slick and smooth to be able to get outside that pocket. And boy, that's exactly what they were. That's the lawnmower 3.0 using code 5RSN for, I believe, a 20% discount. Yes, 20% discount on your order, 5RSN. Simon, uh, watching that game, I don't know. I don't know if you were on Twitter at the time, but Dolphin fans were all in a huff. Uh, let's let's just say over and 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 to be completely honest with, with you and with our listeners, so was I because I was telling you in the WhatsApp chat, we just blew an opportunity to put a clown nose on these people in the first half and end the game. And you said, "Don't worry, buddy. <laughs> the game's over anyway." So that was probably the right attitude, but are some Dolphin fans kind of correct? Am I correct? Was there a missed opportunity to really put out really, really good tape on this game or, or a win is a win is a win. 
I mean, who cares? I mean, the Jets are unlikely to win a game all season. They're a horrendous franchise, badly run, with a bad head coach. Um, I mean, what difference would 40 points have made, frankly? Uh, in three years' time, nobody's going to look back and say, oh, Miami ran up 24 instead of 40. Nobody cares. The win is the most important thing. What I will say is that there is a an uncomfortable element of Dolphins fans who don't seem to be able to enjoy victories at the moment. Uh, yes. I mean, it's true. It's, they really don't. You know, the, the team has been starved of victories for such a long period of time. And yet now, whenever there's a victory, you know, the, uh, uh, the Dolphins have won 67-17 over the last two games in terms of point differential. And yet, you know, I, I would say 40% of people that were messaging me and there were a lot of people after the game and towards the end of the game were unhappy seemingly that Miami had won. Uh, they felt that Ryan Fitzpatrick, who threw three touchdown passes in a 24 to nothing win, um, shouldn't be starting. I even had one person, and I probably can't find it now, uh, unfortunately, but I even had one person message me quite astonishingly, really, to say that the Dolphins simply now had to start uh, Tua in the next game uh, after the bye week. I mean, what what are these people on? <laughs> I mean, genuinely, what are these people on? That We've won the last two games by a combined score of 67 to 14 or to 17 or whatever it is, beating the NFC champions, defending NFC champions on the way. And yet some people actually believe that Brian Flores is all of a sudden going to bench the most popular player on the team. I mean, what what is wrong with people? It's astonishing to me. And it really and truly, and I find it very uncomfortable, there's a very, very strange group of fans who cannot be happy because Fitzpatrick is still playing. Look, we all love Tua. He's going to be a great player, I'm sure. But there's no way they're there's no way they're benching him. I, I act, actively encouraged people yesterday to make contact with um with uh, the guys in the Dolphins media team, Jason and and Brett and, and those guys to to say that they asked whether or not they could join Brian Flores' post game press conference to ask whether or not he was now going to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, who had just won sixty seven seventeen in the last two weeks in favour of in favour of playing tour because I wanted to hear the laughter from the United States all across the Atlantic Ocean to to England um, when that question was asked, not just from the coaching staff, but by every media member with, you know, any semblance of sense. There is, it, it is a very, very strange, uh, a very strange thing. And, and people literally cannot be happy. They can't celebrate, you know, yep, the, the Dolphins didn't play particularly well in the second half only one third down conversion which two are made mm-hmm. um but nevertheless you know when you're up 24 nothing it's a team that you know is not going to come back they clearly weren't you know the foot did come off the gas i i, I just I, I just find it um well like they don't know this message maybe the door they don't know where to find their joy you know, uh, like no, I would find some joy in watching a defense absolutely smash Joe Flacco, Frank Gore, yeah. LaMichael Perrine, you know, Brett Perriman. Get some joy. Get some joy watching a, an offensive line coming together, watching Miles Gaskin getting better and better. Yeah. Maybe the Dolphins fans saw Tua in college and know something you don't. Fitz has been fantastic, but Tua is a top five NFL quarterback. Is a top five NFL quarterback. Obviously, it's early, but journalists should stop acting like they know more than fans that pay actual attention. That was one message I got, um, <laughs> which was, you know, pretty hilarious. What about um, know-it-all podcasters that watch a lot of All Twenty Two and and used to coach yeah. a little bit in high school and fancies themselves a, a frustrated defensive coordinator? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's there's somebody called NFL goat couch gm um <laughs> messaged me to say that um uh fitz only played well for the first 22 minutes i put they won 24 nothing he threw three touchdowns you didn't watch the game then <laughs> um pretty sure i did dude um i was pretty I- excited about the shutout i don't know why i got on twitter and, and people were like oh who gives a crap I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Look at the talent on their team. It's good enough to score points in an NFL game, right? You held them to zero. You held them to nothing. That's something to be happy about. If you can't be happy about that, then, then wow. Then how, how the can point, you be happy it? ever? I, I genuinely think the Dolphins have really, really bad fans anyway. I mean, <laughs> I've said this historically. 
uh, you know, some really great people out there, but there's some really, really bad fans, like really bad. I mean, I got some direct message from a guy who didn't even follow me going, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're this, you're that. It's like, dude, who are you? The guy was a doctor. It's like, dude, what's wrong with you? Go, there's a pandemic on. Go to the hospital and treat some patients. Fucking sending me messages, you clown shoe. Well, I remember, I remember all the days of uh, of Shula Marino when the team would go eleven and five, losing losing the second round of the playoffs, and people would have a, a, an entire month of completely freaking out, wanting to fire everybody, trade everybody, and 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 I'm here sitting like, am I, am I insane? Did I not just enjoy an eleven and five season and and a playoff victory? And people are this upset. <laughs> you know, but let's let's dig a little bit into history, okay? How did Marino get the starting job? Okay, first of all, because somebody was asking me this before and saying, look, the parallels are there. They're right there in front of you if you bother to look. Well, the 1982 Dolphins went to the Super Bowl. They drafted Dan Marino in the offseason. They started off 2-0 and behind David Woodley. They were getting murdered against the Raiders in game three. Marino came back came into the game in the fourth quarter through two touchdowns in garbage time. The following week with the two and one dolphins, David Woodley started. Okay. They won to go three and one the following week. They played the new Orleans saints. They shared time. They lost the game in, in I uh, believe overtime. No, they lost by 10 points. They were three and two Shula at that point decided, okay, I've seen enough. I'm going to Dan Marino. Why? He had a team that was coming off a Super Bowl, and he had an obvious deficiency at quarterback, and they drafted one in the first round. Does it sound familiar? Maybe. But they don't have an obvious deficiency at quarterback just yet, right? No, they don't, and they're not coming off a Super Bowl. I mean, the, the Dolphins are now a game out of first place in the AFC East, and they've got a six-game schedule, home at the Rams, Chargers, Bengals, away at Denver, Arizona, and the Jets. That if fans genuinely think Tua is all of a sudden going to be put into the game, they are absolutely crazy. They are crazy. I mean, to be honest, I was surprised that Tua even got in the game yesterday because it looked like, you know, at 24 nothing, even with even the penultimate possession with about six minutes to go, you were thinking if he's not going to bring him in now, he's not going to bring him in at all. And then finally got those last five snaps which was great to see. It was a lovely moment when he came on the field and a lovely moment after the game. But come on. The, the Dolphins are not going to change quarterback after the bye week. It, you know, Fitz would have to have a couple of dreadful games. And he, I think even if he had a, a dreadful game off the bye week, he'd still start the following week. And I think only after a second straight dreadful game would he get benched. But I just don't... You know, there's, there's no evidence that he's going to consistently he played two bad games i just don't see it um he didn't play very well just certainly in the second half yesterday completely understand that completely agree with that um but you know it's uh, people just need to calm down i mean somebody was so you know somebody messaged me to blame me for creating <laughs> the expectation it was no like, blame how, blame to all his parents for conceiving him <laughs> you know blame nick saban like I was like, dude, how is this my fault? And he was like, oh, well, you know, you've, um, uh, I, I tweeted something like, I've been a dolphin, somebody, the, the, the tweet that I just read out about journalists paying more attention, I tweeted, I've been a Dolphins fan for 37 years, watched every single throw he made in college and many from high school, wrote two long form magazine articles on him and interviewed him at length. I was borderline obsessed with Miami drafting him, not sure what else I can tell you. And then this guy replied, and I won't give you his name because it's unfair, but I think the hyperbole surrounding you as a prospect on Twitter and the various podcasts aided in the creation of an, of an unreal fan atmosphere. He's a great quarterback. He's not a savior. So I put, what? Well, so it's my fault. And he put, well, I think pumping the brakes on the borderline hyper, borderline obsessed hyperly could have helped. Prospects are prospects. But statements like it'll set the franchise back 10 years didn't help to create an even-keeled environment. So, yes, it's it's my fault. Yeah, I, I love that word savior, by the way, which makes uh, makes two of what? Jesus Christ and Devante Parker, one of his apostles, <laughs> you know? And then we get Waddle and, you know, what, what are we putting together, you know? The Last Supper here? So, you know, uh, I don't know. It's And you got to understand, not to 
keep giving history lessons. David Woodley, rest in peace, was easily, in my opinion, and I watched enough football and seen it since then to understand David Woodley was probably one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And you had a Super Bowl-ready roster. And you have a quarterback that comes in against the number one defense at the time, the Los Angeles Raiders, and throws two touchdown passes. Yes, in garbage time, but two touchdown passes is two touchdown passes. So Don Shula started seeing what was the inevitable and started him two games later. But he didn't start him right away. He made it clear, like, okay, like David Woodley has to show me, okay, he's terrible. It's time to replace him. And in fact, David Woodley in the next game, which they beat the Chiefs 14 to 6, I believe David Woodley, let me let me look up his numbers. He went 10 of 17 for 92 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Okay. <laughs> what does that tell you? Okay. He's, he's, he was a bad quarterback. And then, of course, the first start that Marino makes is against Buffalo. And the evidence is apparent because Dan Marino throws for 322 yards and three touchdowns. So there you have it. So, Simon, let's play a little trivia. I want to test you a little bit. I don't know if you looked it up, but the answer to the obvious trivia question now is who caught Tua Tungvaloa's first pass? And that was Patrick Laird, right? Patrick Laird, yeah. Who caught Dan Marino's first pass against who? Blimey, that is a question. Um, it's an easy guess, though. I think I think I probably know the answer, but Jimmy Cephalo was it? Nah, no, it was Don't Mark. Go, uh, it was Mark to, Duper oh, against okay against the Raiders. Okay. Uh, but I think you know this one. Who caught his first touchdown pass? Jimmy Cephalo. No, other Mark media, Clayton. other media mogul down here. <laughs> Uh, Post the morning show. Does I mean, the Dolphins uh, broadcast? Mean, uh, my mind's gone completely blank now. Joe Rose. Oh, Joe Rose, of course. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? I've, I do you know? I even watched the um. I watched the Marino Football Life about two weeks ago and totally forgot that. Yeah, and by the way, Joe Rose, great guy. One of the yeah, one of the really funnest guy. guys to be around in all of media down here. But yeah, let's get back to the game. Um. Uh, I'm going to give credit where it's due. I can't find the guy's name. I've been looking for it all day. But a listener of ours said, look, uh, since Fitzpatrick got hit in the head when he was sliding, look at his numbers. Look at his numbers beforehand. And it's apparent. Okay. I think it had something to do with it. Do you think that that had something to do with how bad the offense looked in the second half? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it could definitely have been an issue. And I was semi-surprised that they didn't that the eye in the sky didn't at least have a look at that, um, you know, because he took a fairly significant blow. I think the fact that he popped up really quickly, um, I just think, I just think the team were just generally off. And I also thought the Chang Gady slightly went away from what was really working earlier on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought the, um, I thought that the running game was working really well. And actually they, they just sort of went away from some of the plays that, that they'd had real success with in the first sort of quarter and a half, which was a bit of a disappointment. And, you know, the third down conversion thing is interesting. It wasn't like we threw on every third down. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There were a couple of odd third down calls as well. We had a couple of third and shorts where they went long, Um, you know, uh, but no, I I think, I I think it could have played into it, but I would have thought that the doctors on the sideline would have, you know, immediately looked and thought, you know, when he came over after that, that series, they would have probably checked him out. Um, I, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? You can't really, you can't really guess at, at, at things like that because you just don't really know. I just think generally, I mean, I personally just think it was, you know, a, you go up big against a team that you know is probably almost certainly not going to come back and you just take your mm-hmm. foot off the pedal a little bit. Uh, the defense didn't do that to their credit. I thought the defense played well, played hard, played consistently, and I think, but I think for them, they they, they valued the shutout, and that was what they were. That's what they were trying to do. So, um, you know, slightly different for them. Yeah. And talk about valuing the, uh, a shutout. I don't know if you know about this, but Kama Gruger Hill was in in the third quarter, broke his finger. The bone was sticking out of his uh, out of his finger. Okay. He carried him playing. And he went to the locker room. He told them, stitch it up, tape it up, and I'm going back out there. They, as soon as they saw his hand, they, I guess they told him, all right, you're out for the game. And he goes, nah, I'll be out there. 
And they stitched it up in the third quarter, and he ran out there and completed the game. So that shows you what kind of toughness Kamal Grugier Hill has. But uh, let me ask you this question, because this one has me, I don't know, I wouldn't say perplexed, but they have a big decision to make. I'm told that Austin Jackson's injury is not the kind that's going to keep him out for too long and that he's on watch to come right back in three weeks. And that was after he had his injury. So that would mean that he could, he has a shot at playing against the Rams, but probably not probably the week after that, when he's ready to come back, he's obviously the left tackle, but is Robert Hunt now obviously the right tackle because he just had another great game. I understand they're not playing, you know, they're not, they weren't playing against Aaron Donald and, and JJ Watt out there, but Robert Hunt has pretty good tape the last two games. Is it over for Jesse Davis, or do they go right back to their old roles with Jesse Davis back at right tackle? I suspect Davis will go back to right tackle. It'd be pretty harsh on Jesse Davis, who's played two really good games at left tackle, Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden just dump him. I know Hunt has played very well, um, but that to me just doesn't seem like a Brian Flores move. Um, You know, I think Hunt played significantly in terms of six offensive linemen um, that we that we have been using in the early weeks. So, to be honest, I think Hunt would go back to the bench. I, I'd be surprised if Flores did that. Um, actually, I'd be semi-surprised if he inserted us. I'd be semi-surprised if he didn't keep Davis at left tackle, actually. Really? Um, there's no way to... Well, there's no point in rushing Jackson back. Mm-hmm. Um, but know, if he's clear, well. let's say... Let's say for all intents and purposes, he's cleared after the Rams game. And they say, hey, he's good to go. Like, you know, he's either taking up a roster spot or, he, or he's not. You start him right away at left tackle, wouldn't you? I think you've got to answer the question, What? What? When does? where does the team look better? Does it look better with Davis and Hunt or does it look better with Jackson and Davis? Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. answer that. That's a question for Steve Marshall, the offensive line coach, and for and for Coach Flo. I, I don't know the answer to that one, but that's a good. Um, that's a good. That's a good. That's a very know, good question. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, and I think you probably you know I think you probably have to say you could make a pretty decent case that the line looks better with Davis and 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 Hunt. You know, we're certainly running the ball better. Gaskin's running the ball better. Now, is that just an indi- an indictment of the fact that the team are gelling better, that they're getting more used to what's going on in terms of play calling and those sorts of things without having had an off Yeah, also the repetition in play calling because they're calling a exactly. lot of the same stuff. You know, they have a – like Chan- when I say that I like Chan Gailey's, you know, play calls, he has a wide variety of running, running plays. But when yeah. I say wide variety, in the NFL, most teams – Okay, and, and I'll give you an example. Sean McVay went to a Super Bowl with four running plays. Four out of 11 mm-hmm. personnel, okay? Now, those four plays have two variations each, so you're talking about eight plays. That's it. That's all he needed. They have one of the best running games in all of football, so you don't need to really trick anybody. So Shane Gailey has a lot of variety, but it's, it's pretty much the same stuff. So maybe with the repetition, they keep repeating it. And they're getting much, much better at it. That's probably what's happening, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And so I think you just have to answer that question. I think that's almost certainly what the guys will be doing during during um, the bye week is looking at, you know, how is the offensive line working with Davis and Hunt compared to how it's working with Jackson and Davis? Um, it's clear that Robert Hunt is not overawed by the by the position and it's clear that Jackson Kindley and Davis are going to be significant stars on that line for a long time. But right now is Jesse Davis, one of the five best offensive linemen in the team. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would be pretty harsh on a team leader uh, and solid, solid enough veteran um, having probably his best season in Miami so far to be, to be ditched. Yeah, and interesting decision. That's why they paid the money. And let me and let me say something. Uh, during that game, they were mentioning Xavier Howard, and they said, "Oh, he's played four great games in a row. He hasn't. Okay, he's played three really good games in the last four. He was awful in that Seattle game. But even in that Seattle game where he was awful, he had an interception in the end zone. I'm sorry, you trade that guy over my dead body, Simon. That guy makes plays. You need that guy if you want to win football games." Who's that? Sorry, you dropped Xavier Howard. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. His knee looks really good, actually. 
Yeah, I'm not it's trading really, him. Really I'm good. I'm I'm out of that. All that trading business, like let's trade him and get a second round pick. No, the second round pick is not going to do what he does. You know, I'm, I, like I like I said, he played a poor game against Seattle. He still had an interception in the end zone. That's a racing seven Russell Wilson points and giving you the ball back. He makes plays yeah. that help you win football games. I'm not trading that. I'm just not. No. No, he's um he's back close to to healthy, um and you know he is a turnover machine, uh, and that's what you and you give up a little bit in terms of the occasional inconsistencies that you get out of him, because you know that he's around the football so often, mm. and that he will give you a long stretch of pretty much elite level coverage games. You know you'll have a few brain farts in there and a few like I don't understand the game that x has just had mm. but for the vast part of things and you wonder how much of that is down to to the knees but for the vast part vast majority of the time he is a very very good player yeah and he's back to leading the nfl in interceptions and since 2017 mm. nobody has more interceptions in the nfl than Xavier howard and Xavier howard missed 10 games since since 2017 and he still has more interceptions than anybody else in the nfl that's 16 of them since 2017 so yeah absolutely i'm not i'm out i'm completely out on the trading Xavier howard business i just i want that guy on my team i want i want those two corners i want to see what this defense looks like with those two guys speaking of the defense a little bit of a review uh kristen wilkins in his second year it's coming along and it's coming along pretty good isn't it simon yeah, he, he 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 started very well uh, against New England uh, and played pretty well week two. He sort of dipped a little bit for the last for the, the two weeks in between, but I thought he was strong at the weekend. I thought he played really well. I thought, to be honest, the Dolphins look a much better proposition with Zach Sealer starting. I thought he was excellent yes. yesterday, um, really excellent. Um, and I thought that that actually they didn't miss Carvan Noy as much as I thought they might. I thought the sort of the combo of Eguavan, Elandon Roberts and, and Grugia Hill played well. I thought Eric Rowe was terrific again. He's a very, very consistent ball player. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought they, they, they were very solid, but I, I couldn't agree more. I think Wilkins had a, had a solid game, but I think he was really helped by the performance of Zach Sealer, who's a typical, he's an archetypal New England Patriot type player. Um, it was a shame that Andrew Van Ginkle had the concussion because you would have liked to have seen him, you know, attack around the perimeter. But um, yeah, there's some good players emerging on that defense. It, it feels like it's close to being a really good unit. And uh, to be and look at the the two edge guys. You know, Lawson had a really good game. Lawson's a decent pass rusher and he's an outstanding edge setter, and he was very good at that um, at the weekend. And I thought Ogba played very well as a good pass rusher, Emmanuel Ogba. He'll get you 10 or 12 sacks this season. Uh, and he feels like he's getting into his stride, you know, really coming on. So you just you just hope that it, you're looking for one or two guys who can spell those guys. You know, you, you're, you're looking for that extra guy who can come in. And, you know, that, that could have been Vince Beagle. That, that looked like it might be Van Ginkle, certainly for the performance that he had against the 49ers. You just hope that his concussion isn't serious and he can be back next week. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting how they decided to replace Devon Godshaw, which does look like, although he's, he's talking like he might come back this year, but you know, it's not likely it's, it's a torn bicep. Like that's a year thing. Mm. So he's likely out for the yeah. year, but they decided to replace him, And I don't know how long they can go like this. I think they're going to have to go out there and get somebody. They decided to replace him by just giving his snaps to Sealer and Raekwon Davis. <sighs> Then Raquan Davis went down, and I don't know what's what's going on with him, but you know he tweeted out just a little adversity. Keep calm. <laughs> so, so I yeah. guess it's he's okay, right? Like, do you know anything about his injury? Nothing. He says it's a shoulder, but he looked fine on the sideline. But he didn't play after he left the game. He didn't come back in. So yeah, I think he's fine. I think he's fine. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the Dolphins were sniffing around, the Falcons were sniffing around, the Texans in terms of teams that might be looking to trade off players as their seasons essentially collapse in on themselves. Um, you know, I, I very much doubt the Jets will be will be trading within the division and obviously got rid of Steve McClendon uh, to the Buccaneers yesterday. You, you look at the Texans and actually, you know, I, I think Brandon Dunn's probably still there. They're not trading Ross Blacklock, who was the 
who's the early pick uh, the the 40 TCU right yeah 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 um you know uh, so i don't think that's likely to happen uh, in yeah. terms of interior help but um no chance that the jets would part with Quinn and williams for a second round pick right that's not happening is it i think it's unlikely i think it's unlikely like I mean, they hang I, up I the phone. Think... If we call them and and offer a second round pick, they hang up the phone, right? I, I just don't think they trade him within the division. That just doesn't mm-hmm. seem to make any sense to me. Yeah, like um... yeah, that's something that never really happens. Uh, although the Dolphins sent Wes Walker and who eventually is going to get in the Ring of Honor for to, for the Patriots into the division, and that guy haunted us for what eight years. <laughs> so a... that wasn't the smartest thing we've ever done, right? I think it's a very interesting conversation around Quinn and Williams. You know, he's 22. He's clearly not playing to the level with which he was drafted. You know, he shows flashes, but not, you know, but he is 22 years of age. What would you be prepared to give up for Quinn and Williams? Well, he was a top five pick. I would say a second round pick i would i would give up a second round pick if the evaluation is that there's his best football is way out in front of him cuz he's only 22 years old you know the body's not a question cuz he doesn't have any serious injuries so maybe it's his head you have to have your, you have to lean on your draft evaluation what was it you know did you have him all the way up your board did you have him at the top of your board that was the year we drafted Kristen wilkins wasn't it mm-hmm. so how do we yeah, rank I mean, the defensive tackles that year yeah, I, I think you probably you, you probably I mean what you probably have to give up a first rounder for him, wouldn't you? I don't know. I don't know. I, I he has to have depreciated, uh, you know, after leaving the lot, you right? Think? Yeah, I think our, I think our Houston second rounder is pretty attractive because that's essentially a first rounder. You know, it's in the thirties, so in the thirties is something that the Jets could probably use. So I don't know. It could mean Travis Etienne to for the for the Jets. Who knows? So yeah, I, I would offer that pick if we were if you know depends on the evaluation. If the evaluation was that Kristen Wilkins is just better than him, and we wanted Kristen Wilkins anyway, and we didn't think much of him, then yeah, obviously we're not in the market, and I would go elsewhere. But you know, depends on the evaluation. Like they have to have an idea of what he is now and what he is going forward. I'm pretty certain that if he is on on the on the market, they're gonna have some intern somewhere pouring over film and cutting it up for the coaches so they can see it. But would you have interest for a second round pick? Um, I think I probably would actually. Although I'd rather use Miami's second rounder rather than the Texans' second rounder because I think ours will be lower. Although I don't think that price would be high enough for the Jets. I mean, he's the third overall pick in his second season. They're gonna want to recoup at least a first rounder for him surely i can't see a scenario in which they you know they're not giving players away um and especially good young players i just don't i I just don't see why you would do that it makes no sense to me um you know you're not getting the value back for which you you know for which you used up on it so um sorry i'm just watching the cardinals one of their linebackers has just dropped the most the easiest dolly of an interception you'll ever see um so yeah um no, I think um, I think they'd want a first rounder back. So if you get him for a second, great. But I just can't see that happening, especially to to a team within the division. Yeah, I was watching. Uh, I was watching the Red Zone. I don't know. If, do you watch that in the UK, Simon? Or yeah, no? I watch Red Zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was watching the Red Zone, and I was just you know I was musing, and I was like, okay, I'm looking at the actives and inactives, and I see, okay, I guess they're gonna go with three defensive tackles, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's the Jets, you know. And, you know, if, if we can't beat the Jets, then we have more problems than than trying to carry more than three defensive tackles in a game, right? Mm. <laughs> okay. Now, have we been facing like Kansas City or some, somebody like that? Yeah, I would have said, okay, there's an issue there. And I was thinking to myself, man, where is my 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 favorite journeyman defensive tackle, Sylvester Williams? Remember, <laughs> remember when he came in for mm. four games for us a couple of years ago and played really well? And I glance at the screen, and he is absolutely destroying the New England Patriots. They had picked him up this week, Simon. So I guess bad timing for us. Broncos yeah, had some injuries. Sure. They picked him up, and Sylvester Williams went in there and wrecked the New England Patriots. I don't know what's out there. Do you know what's out there? Supposedly we can poach Snacks Harrison off of a practice squad, right? Because they put him yeah, onto the practice can, squad. Although, 
you'd have to do it straight away because he wouldn't be able to um he would have to go on the covid list um so he would i suppose with a buy it would be fine but um he'd have to much like levy on bell would have to sit out for probably yeah. a week if we were playing yeah it's five days of testing that you have to do yeah i so. mean uh, he certainly would be an option um although i wonder whether or not he's one of their protected um protected guys because you can protect a couple of guys can't you so mm-hmm. um i'm just having a look to see if pete carroll protected him but um, yeah that would be sure. that would be interesting because that's an obvious fix yeah you know Absolutely. i don't think i don't think the drop off is that big if at all from devon godshaw to him no absolutely and i do fear and i do fear running raekwon davis who is a rookie i know he's giant okay and <laughs> he should be able to take the punishment but i do fear running him into the ground playing him 40 snaps a game and i do understand he only played 26 but if you only played 26 that means sealers in the 40s and wilkins mm-hmm. is in the 50s that's not good. You want to keep those guys nice and between 35 and 45 snaps and not a snap over that because you want them fresh mm-hmm. down the stretch. Because if not, you're going to start giving up those 200-yard rushing games in December. So, yeah, I think we need a fourth guy. And if we can get him, Snacks Harrison, that'd be that'd be a dream, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just thinking of some of those old um... – Patriots defensive tackles, but um, who he might have had in what 2018 or whatever. Yeah, Danny uh, Shelton. I, I don't know where yeah. he went. I know he Shelton, was out there late in the free agency. Yeah, Shelton, I think, went to. Did Shelton go to Detroit? Yeah, he might have went. Yeah, he might have went to Detroit. Um, yeah, yeah I believe he did. Detroit, Danny Shelton. Yeah, he yeah he yeah. signed. Yeah, he signed. Yeah, it's for, tough to know. With Detroit, it's tough to know. Um, yeah, uh, you kind of feel like they're going to have to bring somebody in. Um, yeah, uh, I, I believe so because yeah, that's thin. Malcolm, it, Malcolm Brown's not the Saints, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Adam Butler still at the Patriots. Um, Lawrence Guy, guys at the Patriots as well. So. Yeah. yeah. Now let's talk about a a guy who I kind of I kind of called it because I smelled it last year when he was with Kansas City. He was so good when he was in there. Then he got injured. It's paying off big dividends this year. Emmanuel Ogba, like he's headed for a, for a pretty nice season. Mm. Simon and they got him and they got him on a on a dime for this year and next because they do have the option, right? They have the option for next year. That's a pretty cheap yeah. deal for a guy who's headed for 10, 12, maybe even 13 sacks this year. Yeah, I thought it was very good all round this weekend. He's a good all round player. I thought it was very good against the run. I think I read somewhere that he had 10 pressures um, in the game on Sunday, which was tied most in a game by anybody this season, which is a, a pretty big statement. Um, yeah, I, be, I believe he leads the NFL in pressures the last three weeks overall. Yeah, I mean, look at him though. I mean, ten and a half sacks in his last sixteen games overall. He's six four. He's two seventy five. He ran a four six three forty at the combine. He's just twenty six. You know, he's scratching the surface of his ability. Uh, you know, he's he, he was slowed by injuries at at um, with the Browns and then with the Chiefs. Um, he looks a uh, he looks a really good player. A really good player. Mm. And let's finish up here with the offense because, you know, there was not there was not much to talk about in the game. We already covered Tua and his two majestic passes. And if you watch Yard Work tomorrow morning, you will see it on the YouTube channel. I will break down both of those plays so you can see what Tua was looking at. And, yes, he made the right decision in both. And, by the way, the mm-hmm. second pass that he completed was pretty high-level stuff, very smart read. He went all the way across the field to – his last progression and hit it for a first down. But Miles Gaskin, are you seeking to replace him? Because they feel that they're a playoff team. Do you think that they have enough there? Or are you seeking some help at the running back position at the deadline? I don't know what's out there. Frank no, Gore might I'm even not. be cut. I don't know if Frank Gore is what you might want. But are you 
going out there because they they sure is, they, they went out there to go get Le'Veon Bell. They didn't get him. But is there anything yeah, I, out there? Supposedly Todd Gurley might be available. I don't know if that excite, excites you. So would you actively go to seek to replace him or get somebody to get half of his snaps? No, uh, I really like him. I'd give Matt Breida the ball more. Um, I thought he was excellent yesterday. What he had 18 carries, 90 yards, four catches for 35. I um I, he runs hard. He's he's got excellent vision. He's got real quickness in that sort of yard two to yard seven area. Um, I think he's a problem for defenses. He's a problem because he can play in all three areas of the field. Uh, I actually thought, you know, I understood why they went after Levy on Bell, but I think Gaskin, um, I think Gaskin's a good player. And I think he's going to be a decent player. If he can stay healthy, because his body size, body type isn't, you know, predicated. What is he, 5'9", 205 pounds? He's not predicated on taking the hits that he takes, but mm-hmm. he plays well. He plays hard. Um, I, I, and I think what he's done as well, which is really interesting, is essentially he has cut Jordan Howard. I don't think yeah. Jordan Howard plays again for the Dolphins. Um, I think uh, I think Miles is a is a... Uh, the sort of he's an archetypal New England player, you know whether or not down the line he is um, a complementary to a factor back um, remains to be seen. But you know, don't forget, Beeflo has grown up on a team in New England, both as a coach and as a scout, where running back by committee was very much de jour. You know that it was very rare that you know you go back to Corey Dillon and you look more recently at Sony Michelle. But actually, in the intervening time, they spent years mixing running backs in and out of the lineup, and depending on who they were playing, you know, they never really settled on one particular guy. Um, particularly, you know, occasionally they did, but you know, it, it was all about week to week battles. And I think, um, I think Ga- Gaskin has, um, I think Gaskin has done more than enough to to be the guy for the rest of the season. He just impresses every time he touches the ball. Yeah, and his numbers and his numbers are bearing fruit. Uh, you know, he's mm. he's almost at four and a half yards per carry. Yeah, he's headed for a thousand yards. Mm. He's headed for almost thirteen hundred yards from. I know. I was going to say thirteen hundred yards. Yeah, so you know that's th- those are big numbers. You know, it's just that you know it, it, again. He, I called for it in the in the pregame show on Sunday. I was like, I want a hundred yards from Miles Gaskin. You know, I want to I yeah. want to feel like if we're going to talk about any statistics that we want to take out of this game. I wasn't thinking about a shutout. That was pretty nice. But I was thinking, you know what? I want to get him 100 yards. He deserves it. We fell just short. He got 91. Now, on the way out here, you know, it's it pays sometimes to, to be forward-looking, and I'm looking elsewhere. And the Cincinnati Bengals, A.J. Green is on the last year of his deal. He will be a free agent at the end of the year. He is absolutely miserable in Cincinnati. The rumor is that he could be cut at the deadline. Would you have any interest? This is a guy who's been insanely productive out of the slot. We seem to be missing that element in our offense. Would you be interested for the balance of the season? And maybe he sticks past this year at a much reduced rate since his skills and his production is much, much reduced. No, I wouldn't. Um, really? I think he was on a you know, potential Hall of Fame tear for the first sort of six seasons of his career. Um, and I think he's essentially just been, uh, you know, he has injuries have, you know, he's not been a good player in this league since 2017. You know, he wasn't great in 2018, only played nine games, didn't play at all in 2019. And he's not had a particularly good season. No, uh, he's, he's had you know, an awful season. <laughs> he's really struggling. I, you know, I don't think it would cut. I think they they would trade him. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see him being traded to New England. You could see him being traded to Green Bay, potentially. Mm-hmm. But I certainly don't think it would cut. But for me, uh, you know, I, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. And I don't think a thirty two year old AJ Green, who's done who's struggled in this league since twenty seventeen, is the sort of person that is the sort of player that that Flores and, and Chris Gear will be looking at. So no, it's a resounding. No, from me. Mm, all right, and well, I lied. I'm going to ask you one more, one more question because this was right up your alley. Since they're your NFC team, the Green Bay Packers got absolutely mauled by the, the Tampa mm. Bay Buccaneers. I was absolutely shocked by that result. 
going into the game, I was like, you know what? This is the game where the Green Bay Packers show everybody they're the best team in the NFC. And they put to bed all of the all of this, you know, glitz and glamour of Tampa Bay. Never thought I would say glitz and glamour with Tampa Bay in the same sentence. But they're the popular pick now. But mm. wow, that was a beatdown. Is yeah. Tom Brady really I, gonna go to the Super Bowl again and this time with a different team? Well, they've got the I mean, they've got the talent on offense when you look at it. You know, the, the offensive line is beginning to play well. Mackay Beckton is beginning to uh, not Mackay Beckton, sorry. Um Tristan Wirfs is beginning to 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 play pretty well. That interior three of Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, and uh, Alex Kappa uh, uh, have come on. You know, Ronald Jones is playing really well. And, you know, they've not really consistently had Chris Godwin and Mike Edwards healthy since the start of the season. They're getting Tyler Johnson, the kid I really liked out of Minnesota, is playing well. You know, they've got three tight ends, Bray and Gronkowski especially. Obviously, um, obviously the kid O.J. Howard from Alabama has gone down, but, you know, the tight ends are still strong. And defensively, you know, they lose Vita Vea, um, but really the, the, they didn't. Yeah, they struggled with run, and they traded the for McClendon during the Dolphin game, which is yeah. I've never seen that happen in in all my years watching football. The Jets traded their nose tackle in the fourth quarter of our game. The linebackers are really good, you know. Devin White and Levonta David is a spectacular mm-hmm. player and one of the most underrated players in the league. But my biggest concern for the Buccaneers coming to the season was the secondary, um, and what you're actually seeing out of the secondary because they were so young, essentially. But you know, Anton Winfield is playing well, but. But Carlton Davis is playing at an all-pro level um, at cornerback. He is having an absolutely outstanding season. Uh, Jamel Dean is playing well. Um, you know, they've got some really good performers on the perimeter, but Carlton Davis is an absolute star. Um, and what's interesting, obviously, about about Davis is that he was a, a teammate of uh, Noah Igbenogane's. Um, mm. You know, so uh, he, is a, he, he is playing very well. And if they can keep up that pace... Um, they will be a very dangerous team to watch. But uh, for the Green for the Green Bay Packers, I suspect, I hope um, that it was a one-off, that it was a mulligan, because they looked very in control up until the point where... Rogers until Aaron Rodgers started dancing do. in the end zone. <laughs> I yeah, really at that point. Um, but they just didn't play very well. And, uh, you know, The interesting thing about them was that Tyler Irvin wasn't playing, which doesn't sound like an awful lot. But what Tyler Irvin does is very much similar to what... Um, Debo Samuel does for the 49ers in terms mm. of he's jet he's the jet motion guy. Um, and really they didn't run a lot of jet motion yesterday because Irvin wasn't playing. Uh, and what jet motion does obviously is you know it moves not only it moves people around, um, but it also gives the quarterback an excellent idea of of what exactly is going on in terms of the coverage, whether it's man quarters, off man, zone, whatever. Um, it also moves the linebacker out of position. Um so motion does so much is why the 49ers have been so successful, especially in the run game at, at um, uh, with their jet motions and stuff. I just think it was a mulligan for Green Bay. I thought it could have been a statement game for them, but unfortunately it wasn't. But I, I, I do think the NFC is significantly weaker than the AFC, but the Broncos, uh, but the um, the Buccaneers do look potentially like a, like a real threat there. Yeah. And since it's the bye week, let's just, you know, let's just get it out on, on record. Uh... I completely agree with you as far as the NFC, but in the AFC, I suspect we might be, we might have different teams. I'll say mine. And you tell me if you agree with me, I think Tennessee is the class of the AFC and I understand they gave up a billion points to Houston, but they do it all. And yes, yes, dear listeners, they have a very good quarterback. (laughs) Okay. So I think they're the class of the AFC. They have an absolute showdown next Sunday. I'll be enjoying that game. They play the Steelers. So I think that I think that gives you an early indicator of who's the best team. I did not like what happened to the Ravens, giving up a billion points to that Eagles team, which is a bad Eagles team. They've been bad all year, giving up a billion points and being a two point conversion away from overtime against the Eagles. I didn't like that too much. Do you agree with me or do you have another class of the AFC team? No, I think the Titans are the. Um, I think the injury to to Taylor Lewan will be significant. Yes, especially with what they want to do. Um, but I think Ryan Tannehill is playing. You know, the best football of his career. As Peter King said in his column this morning, he's a an MVP candidate now, and B he is unquestionably now one of the top eight to ten quarterbacks in this league at, at very worst. Um, 
I think that's very fair. I think, you know, they've got really good skill position players. Johnny Smith is really good. Uh, Brown is a really good player. They'll get Davis back. Um, Adam Humphreys is a really good slot receiver. Uh, and obviously Derek Henry is just an absolute machine. I mean, to yeah. watch him run away from, you know, he's running away from cornerbacks on that 92-yard run or whatever it is. Yeah. Defensively, they're really solid as well. You know, Jeffrey Simmons, who we all loved coming out, looks... And their collection star. of wide receivers. And A.J. Brown is, wow. Yeah, it's a good player. So, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Titans. I think that the, the Ravens are an interesting team because they can only really play one way, which is running the ball. They're not great. And and certainly if you get up on the Ravens, they, they, they're just not built to come from behind. No. Um, you know, so I think the AFC is um I think the AFC is strong, but I also think it's um I think it's wide open, actually. You know, because the Chiefs haven't uh, I've not been overly impressed by the Chiefs. I mean, I know they won tonight against the Bills and that's a good win on the road, but although it's, it is a good sign that they look like they're going through the motions and they're still getting wins, you know? So Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So, and help is on the uh, on the way. In, in the form of yeah. Le'Veon Bell. I'm not sure they need it. I mean, Clyde was there yeah. 165 yards rushing tonight. So this this other Monday night game is absolutely brutal. It's one of the worst games I've seen <laughs> ever. Yeah, Callum, so Murray, Callum Murray has not had a, a good run no, as of late, right? Not at all. Yeah. Not at well, all. And I, this, this is not a good team. No, no. And the Cowboys are so top-heavy. That you would almost be negligent in and not placing a call for some of their offensive talent because they have none on defense. They need picks and they need them in bunches. So I don't know, you know, what we would poach from them, but you know, I, I really don't know because I think what they have is what we already have. They got a lot of perimeter wide receivers, you know, like Michael Gallup could be a could be a guy. Michael Gallup is interesting, right? Although he never plays in the slot. And I would want a guy who's versatile enough to play from the slot. But, you know, Devontae Parker could do that. He played some slot on Sunday, which was interesting, right? Like they started mm-hmm. using him in different ways. So although that's happening because teams are paying a lot more attention to Devontae Parker as of late. So maybe Devontae Parker could play a little bit in the slot and maybe we could place a call to Michael for, for Michael Gallup. Because you look at this Cowboy team, it's so lopsided. It's not even funny. Like, they're putting all their money on defense on one guy. And then when Jalen, when Jalen Smith and Vanderesh are up, they're just what? They're gonna have to let them go because they're spending 70% of their cap on the offensive side of the ball. So mm. yeah, I would I would place a call. I would absolutely place a call to to Dallas to see if they're willing to part with some of that offensive talent. Well, all right, folks, you're not gonna get a second edition of the show this week because we're on a bye week. So if the Dolphins are on a bye week, we're going to take advantage as well. But we'll be on the Twitter all week. And you're going to get a yard work series. And maybe I write something for you guys as far as expectations for the rest of the way, which they're kind of obvious. We said it. We said it last week. If they go five and two, they should be in the thick of the playoff hunt. Well, they got one of them out of the way. Now they got to go four and two. We will talk to you guys next week, hopefully with Chris Kaufman as well. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.